Chapter Fifteen of Three Years by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Fifteen. Loptov sat reading and swaying to and fro in a rocking chair. Yulia was in the study, and she too was reading. It seemed there was nothing to talk about. They had both been silent all day. From time to time he looked at her from over his book and thought, whether one marries from passionate love or without love at all, doesn't it come to the same thing? And the time when he used to be jealous, troubled, distressed, seemed to him far away. He had succeeded in going abroad, and now he was resting after the journey and looking forward to another visit in the spring to England, which he had very much liked. And Yulia Sergeyevna had grown used to her sorrow, and had left off going to the lodge to cry that winter she had given up driving out shopping had given up the theatres and concerts and had stayed at home she never cared for big rooms and always sat in her husband's study or in her own room where she had shrines of icons that had come to her on her marriage and where there hung on the wall the landscape that had pleased her so much at the exhibition she spent hardly any money on herself and was almost as frugal now as she had been in her father's house the winter passed cheerlessly card-playing was the rule everywhere in moscow and if any other recreation was attempted such as singing reading drawing the result was even more tedious and since there were few talented people in moscow and the same singers and reciters performed at every entertainment even the enjoyment of art gradually palled and became for many people a tiresome and monotonous social duty moreover the loptovs never had a day without something vexatious happening old loptov's eyesight was failing he no longer went to the warehouse and the oculist told them that he would soon be blind fyodor had for some reason given up going to the warehouse and spent his time sitting at home reading something panarov had got a post in another town and had been promoted an actual civil councillor and was now staying at the dresden he came to the loptovs almost every day to ask for money kish had finished his studies at last and while waiting for loptov to find him a job used to spend whole days at a time with them telling them long tedious stories all this was irritating and exhausting and made daily life unpleasant Pyotr came into the study and announced an unknown lady. On the card he brought in was the name Yosefovna Milan. Yulia Sergeyevna got up languidly and went out limping slightly as her foot had gone to sleep. In the doorway appeared a pale thin lady with dark eyebrows, dressed altogether in black. She clasped her hands on her bosom and said supplicatingly, Monsieur Loptov, save my children the jingle of her bracelets sounded familiar to him and he knew the face with patches of powder on it he recognized her as the lady with whom he had once so inappropriately dined before his marriage it was panarov's second wife save my children she repeated and her face suddenly quivered and looked old and pitiful you alone can save us and i have spent my last penny coming to moscow to see you my children are starving she made a motion as though she were going to fall on her knees Loptov was alarmed and clutched her by the arm sit down sit down he muttered making her sit down i beg you to be seated we have no money to buy bread she said grigory nikolaevitch is going away to a new post but he will not take the children and me with him 
and the money which you so generally send us he spends only on himself what are we to do what my poor unhappy children calm yourself i beg i will give orders that that money shall be made payable to you she began sobbing and then grew calmer and he noticed that the tears had made little pathways through the powder on her cheeks and that she was growing a moustache you are infinitely generous monsieur laptoff but be our guardian angel our good fairy persuade grigory nikolaevitch not to abandon me but to take me with him you know i love him i love him insanely he's the comfort of my life laptoff gave her a hundred roubles and promised to talk to panarov and saw her out to the hole in trepidation the whole time for fear she should break into sobs or fall on her knees after her kish made his appearance then kostya came in with his photographic apparatus of late he had been attracted by photography and took photographs of everyone in the house several times a day this new pursuit caused him many disappointments and he had actually grown thinner before evening tea fyodor arrived sitting in a corner in the study he opened a book and stared for a long time at a page obviously not reading then he spent a long time drinking tea his face turned red in his presence laptoff felt a load on his heart even his silence was irksome to him russia may be congratulated on the appearance of a new author said fyodor joking apart though brother i have turned out a little article the first fruits of my pen so to say and i brought it to show you read it dear boy and tell me your opinion but sincerely he took a manuscript out of his pocket and gave it to his brother the article was called the russian soul it was written tediously in the colourless style in which people with no talent but full of secret vanity usually write the leading idea of it was that the intellectual man has the right to disbelieve in the supernatural but it is his duty to conceal his lack of faith that he may not be a stumbling-block and shake the faith of others without faith there is no idealism and idealism is destined to save europe and guide humanity into the true path but you don't say what europe has to be saved from said laptoff that's intelligible of itself nothing is intelligible said laptoff and he walked about the room in agitation it's not intelligible to me why you wrote it but that's your business i want to publish it in pamphlet form that's your affair they were silent for a minute fyodor sighed and said it's an immense regret to me dear brother that we think differently oh alyosha alyosha my darling brother you and i are true russians true believers men of broad nature all of these german and jewish crotchets are not for us you and i are not wretched upstarts you know but representatives of a distinguished merchant family what do you mean by a distinguished merchant family said laptoff restraining his irritation a distinguished family the landowners beat our grandfather and every low little government clerk punched him in the face our grandfather thrashed our father and our father thrashed us what has your distinguished family done for us what sort of nerves what sort of blood have we inherited for nearly three years you've been arguing like an ignorant deacon and talking all sorts of nonsense and now you've written this slavish drivel here while i while i look at me no elasticity no boldness no strength of will i tremble over every step i take as though i should be flogged for it i am timid before non-entities idiots brutes who are immeasurably my inferiors mentally and morally 
i am afraid of porters doorkeepers policemen gendarmes i am afraid of everyone because i was born of a mother who was terrified and because from a child i was beaten and frightened you and i will do well to have no children oh god grant that this distinguished merchant family may die with us yulia sergeyevna came into the study and sat down at the table are you arguing about something here she asked am i interrupting no little sister answered fyodor our discussion was of principles here you are abusing the family he added turning to his brother that family has created a business worth a million though that stands for something anyway a great distinction a business worth a million a man with no particular brains without abilities by chance becomes a trader and then when he has grown rich he goes on trading from day to day with no sort of system with no aim without having any particular greed for money he trades mechanically and money comes to him of itself without his going to meet it he sits all his life at his work likes it only because he can domineer over his clerks and get the better of his customers he's a churchwarden because he can domineer over the choristers and keep them under his thumb he's the patron of a school because he likes to feel this teacher is his subordinate and enjoys lording it over him the merchant does not love trading he loves dominating and your warehouse is not so much a commercial establishment as a torture chamber and for a business like yours you want clerks who have been deprived of individual character and personal life and you make them such by forcing them in childhood to lick the dust for a crust of bread and you've trained them from childhood to believe that you are their benefactors no fear of your taking a university man into your warehouse university men are not suitable for our business that's not true cried laptov it's a lie excuse me it seems to me you spit into the well from which you drink yourself said fyodor and he got up our business is hateful to you yet you make use of the income from it aha we've spoken our minds said laptov and he laughed looking angrily at his brother yes if i didn't belong to your distinguished family if i had an ounce of will and courage i should long ago have flung away that income and have gone to work for my living but in your warehouse you've destroyed all character in me from a child i'm your product fyodor looked at the clock and began hurriedly saying good-bye he kissed yulia's hand and went out but instead of going into the hall walked into the drawing-room then into the bedroom i've forgotten how the rooms go he said in extreme confusion it's a strange house isn't it a strange house he seemed utterly overcome as he put on his coat and there was a look of pain on his face laptev felt no more anger he was frightened and at the same time felt sorry for fyodor and the warm true love for his brother which seemed to have died down in his heart during those three years awoke and he felt an intense desire to express that love come to dinner with us tomorrow, fyodor he said and stroked him on the shoulder will you come yes yes but give me some water laptev ran himself to the dining-room to take the first thing he could get from the sideboard this was a tall beer-jug he poured water into it and brought it to his brother fyodor began drinking but bit a piece out of the jug they heard a crunch and then sobs the water ran over his fur coat and his jacket and laptev who had never seen men cry stood in confusion and dismay not knowing what to do he looked on helplessly while yulia and the servant took off fyodor's coat and helped him back again into the room and went with him feeling guilty 
Yulia made Fyodor lie down on the sofa and knelt beside him. It's nothing, she said, trying to comfort him. It's your nerves. I'm so miserable, my dear, he said. I am so unhappy, unhappy. But all the time I've been hiding it. I've been hiding it. He put his arm round her neck and whispered in her ear, Every night I see my sister Nina. She comes and sits in the chair near my bed. When, an hour later, he put on his fur coat in the hall, he was smiling again and ashamed to face the servant. Laptov went with him to Pyatnitsky Street. Come and have dinner with us tomorrow, he said on the way, holding him by the arm, and at Easter we'll go abroad together. You absolutely must have a change or you'll be getting quite morbid. When he got home, Laptov found his wife in a state of great nervous agitation. The scene with Fyodor had upset her, and she could not recover her composure. She wasn't crying, but kept tossing on the bed, clutching with cold fingers at the quilt, at the pillows, at her husband's hands. Her eyes looked big and frightened. Don't go away from me, don't go away, she said to her husband. Tell me, Alyosha, why have I left off saying my prayers? What has become of my faith? Oh, why did you talk of religion before me? You've shaken my faith, you and your friends. I never pray now. He put compresses on her forehead, chafed her hands, gave her tea to drink, while she huddled up to him in terror. Towards morning she was worn out and fell asleep, while Laptov sat beside her and held her hand, so that he could get no sleep. The whole day afterwards he felt shattered and dull, and wandered listlessly about the rooms without a thought in his head. End of chapter 15 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.